Whose go is it? You go for it. Right. It's the Meg John and Justin podcast. Yay! Yay. Uh, this is uh, we're. Uh, we're not in a stairwell for this one. We're in no. my flat this time. Because, so we got the stairwell as the perfect mm-hmm. soundproof booth, you know, that isn't really a soundproof booth. So I'm sitting up hunched on the stairs. Yeah. And it's like we've got the, the mic sandwiched between like what looks like some... Some cushions. Futon yeah. cushions. Futon cushions. You're yeah. sitting on the chair and we're... Yeah. So we got that whole setup perfect. and it's perfect. And then they decided to do drilling downstairs from yeah. my house. So, or my flat. So basically we can't go there. So now we're in your place. My flat. So just picture the scene, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> my flat's got slightly, it's got a uh, concrete floor. So it's tinnier. Yeah, so. it's a little bit tinnier. Sorry for the tinniness. So we've got, um, we're sitting on my sofa and we've got uh, like a rubbish bin with a metal tray with a towel and then a pillow and that's where the microphone sitting. Yeah, it's so professional. Well, well high tech. Yeah. This is really good. So hopefully the sound's good enough for you listeners. Yes, we are going to keep looking into awesome mics. Yeah. We? But we want to get the right ones, so we don't want to rush that process. I mean, I kind of feel like we, we, we maybe we should skip that step and just go head straight for a proper professional studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Studio. Yeah. Anyway. Uh-huh. So, so no one sent in a question that related to the fonts. Sadly. No, no. What do, you, what do you people like? Like, we ask one thing of you, listeners, to send in a question that would allow us to do a great segue into the funds. And has that happened? You no. can't have it. No, you can't have you can't have nice things. You won't you get nice things if you don't ask for the nice things. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which is the first learning outcome of this podcast. Sometimes, sometimes you've got to ask. Maybe people think that us doing funds impressions wouldn't be a nice thing. Maybe they obviously haven't heard it happen. In I mean, there is power in the, this relationship, though, isn't there? Like we have the power, don't we? And there's a lot at stake to, 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 to give people the funds or not give people the funds. Yeah, well, there's yeah. a lot at stake for people asking us a question, isn't oh, there? Oh, yes, okay. Like we're talking about it seriously. Aren't but also, no, <laughs> yeah. also, also the funds. Yeah. So um, yeah, you know, we have to recognise. How can we? How can we recognise that we have the we have power here? to enable the other person to ask for what it is that they want oh. that's the interesting i.e. our audience yeah well, obviously your question is anonymous we will anonymise all your questions yeah we give really great answers people loved our triggering yeah that went down pretty well podcast, the triggering one so, yeah uh, and that was from an actual person yeah but I think actually to be honest I'm like you know the the way we're like we see clients we do yeah. sex ed you know we do workshops we're on social media i've yeah. got a pretty good sense of the kind of questions that are out there yeah. that people have so yeah. i'm really happy to be answering those questions yeah so like this one we're going to um deal with today is uh, based on like several different conversations that i've seen happen in those kind of contexts recently yeah, so it yeah, seems like too. a real pressing question that people have yeah so yeah it's like no pressure because the other thing is we don't want to put our listeners under pressure I feel they have to send in questions they don't want to that's oh, exactly. okay it's yeah, okay yeah, not yeah. to you just won't get the funds that's all yeah yeah <laughs> maybe they'll have their own sex and relationships advice podcast and they think oh, I don't need that yeah well maybe they do that would be good <laughs> yeah so the question that we do have today um, that I have put together from these various conversations I've been having is that I've noticed people are asking a lot about how much sex people have in long-term relationships um, and 
thinking that maybe if people would be more honest about how much sex they were having in long-term relationships that would be helpful mm. um so that instead of having this kind of mythological kind of idea mm. about how much sex you should be having mm. there would be this realistic sense of how much people are actually having yeah i mean there is that kind of assumption that people make about people in long-term relationships that maybe they're not swinging from the chandeliers but they are having this kind of regular kind of yeah. sexual contact uh which is a myth yeah and but it's promoted so heavily that yeah. you should you yeah. know so like when i did that big analysis of all the sex advice books mm. that was so so traumatic for me mm. to have to read all of these awful sex advice books um one of the main things that came out was like they were all per- perpetuating this idea that you must mm. have sex in a long-term relationship not even like there's any choice in the matter it was yeah. like as as much as sex is the glue that holds a relationship mm. together if you don't have it you will lose the relationship yeah um if you don't have it there's something wrong with you as a human being like it's like breathing air or eating it's a natural human function Mm. like these were the kind of messages you see over and over again in sex advice i mean the thing is with those messages as well is that you know when we think about our own sex and relationships education these things are often like fed like fed to us or like passed down to us like written on tablets of stone these are of course true yeah uh, but there's no evidence for any of this no. whatsoever. In fact, there's evidence to the contrary. Yeah. There's plenty of evidence now yeah. to the contrary, some of the best of which comes from asexual communities. Yeah. Because, you know, asexual folks are teaching us all the time that you absolutely don't need to have sexual, to experience sexual attraction in order to be a healthy, happy person. Yeah. Ditto, you don't need to have a sexual relationship in order to have a great relationship. Exactly. Um, and they're not the only folks who are having long-term relationships relationships that aren't necessarily sexual mm. but they're people who are really talking openly about it and yeah. make helping everyone to realize that actually sex is something that isn't necessary yeah. either for individuals or for um, no. relationships and this is probably something that we'll come on to later as well but it's just that um uh we i guess we've gone from this kind of quite recent sex negative kind of um, society to really sex positive and mm-hmm. neither of those it's just replacing one ideology with another isn't it and they're both yeah. problematic so now people are kind of feeling like they're not sexual enough or deficient in some way yeah and actually people are asking sex to give them so much and we demand so much from sex we do it's a lot of pressure and also on a lot of pressure on one person if people are in monogamous yeah. long-term relationships that it's just you know really really hard if not impossible mm. to get all of these needs met by yeah. one from one person mm. um and we're kind of yeah i was thinking that this stuff that esther perel writes about is worth mm. talking about this book mating in captivity she has which makes the point that it's nigh on impossible yeah. to get the, the kind of she says to have warmth and heat in the same place yeah so what she means is like if you've got somebody who's your partner who is going to be someone you cohabit with they're going to be like your bestie mate mm. they're going to be like your cheerleader when oh. you know your support they're going to be the person who looks after you when you're super ill maybe yeah. you're co-parenting with them and then you're also asking that person to be the person who you know gives you stimulation and it's really hot and passionate mm. and you know is able to have this you know raw exciting sex with like you just can't get those things no. from the same person no like that's too much to ask from from one because you need different things in order to have the heat and to have the warmth 
Absolutely. Um, we both love Esther Perel's book, and uh, but I also really love your book, MJ, Rewriting the Rules. Why, thank and you. I think that takes it to that takes it to a more radical place where actually I think Mating in Captivity was written based on the assumption that of you know this is for people who are wanting to make sex happen in long term relationships, and I think what we're mm. saying, what you say, in Rewriting the Rules, and what we're saying in our answer to this is that actually as we learn from asexual folk you don't mm. necess- it's not necessary to have sex in a yeah. romantic relationship any at all or you could have different kinds or yeah. yeah which is not to say that you might not be struggling with it so no. what we're kind of dealing with in this is for folk who are struggling with this stuff indeed and I don't I think you shouldn't give any kind you know like we're always starting point of like what does wider culture tell us and Mm. it's really hard to step outside of wider culture and what we're saying is you're getting bombarded with messages all the time every TV show you watch you know every like um, movie you watch every billboard you see is like giving you this sense that you should still have this real massive level of attraction and desire for a long term partner and falling into bed every minute I mean the thing about this is what we talk about just to like talk about cultural messages a bit mm-hmm. and and our sex education and how we learn about sex like just to really like hammer that point home is that they are so we hear the same thing from all these different sources yeah. from both uh, popular culture, media, newspapers, politicians. You know, strong and stable families and, uh-huh. and, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff, uh, and from religious leaders, from people in our community. And then, so we hear it in, on the social level. We hear it from uh, communities around us. We hear it from individuals around us. Yeah, and then they all say exactly the same thing and so then we start to re we start to become part of that narrative ourselves we retell yeah. that narrative to other people yeah then even we if we're saying we're worried about it that's another way of kind of exactly. even feeding that same idea that's important so when we talk about you know the cultural messages it's not simply just that they're out there it's that we it's it, it's so hard to step out of them because yeah. they become like this idea of this idea that it's just common sense that yeah. it's like it's what it, this is just what we all think isn't it yeah and sex is the glue that holds relationships together exactly. sex is essential sex is necessary you know they're, they're just such kind of but they're, they're kind written of into our, yeah like exactly. written into our bodies and brains really through yeah. repetition it's uh, yeah. it's like uh, a stick of rock yeah it's all the way through yeah exactly so you're like you know you're doing this you're trying to leech all of that writing out of the stick of rock it's not an easy thing to do no it's really it's probably not the best analogy no it's really (laughs) you can't do that i know but i've got a real visual of that eat the rock and make (laughs) (laughs) i don't know where you're going with this let's let's move away from the stick of rock rock. but basically it's like a tapestry it's yeah. more like it's woven, woven in, in and, well. and as a thread and we need to unpick it and <laughs> pick out that thread <laughs> that's not working for me either okay we'll it's like a better one it's like <laughs> something anyway it's difficult let's it put it that really way and ingrained. as we say in our book and in our zines and things like this is hard for us too like we should yeah. definitely own it like oh yeah, yeah we yeah. know this from the inside that yeah. you know despite everything we're talking about and thinking about when you're in that situation you know of like you're in a long-term relationship and the other person say is fancying some sex and we really don't feel like it how hard is it in that moment to yeah. not feel a bit guilty to not feel like really it would be better if you were feeling more sexual yeah like that is a difficult moment yeah, yeah yeah have struggled do struggle will struggle yeah I mean, that, these are things that 
um, because we all can't escape culture these are really mm. difficult things but I notice for me that definitely it's less and less over time the yeah. more I do think about this critically and the more I do try and stay with that feeling yeah. when I have it of discomfort and honour you know that I'm feeling that way but not try and force it yeah. that's the more able I am to, to do it the next time so I think yeah. that that's important yeah it's definitely true for me too uh-huh. but you know I guess where we started from is this idea of like you know if it would be good if people were honest about how much mm. um and we do have the figures on that because mm. we have this thing called the natsal study mm-hmm. right which is a kind of every few years they do a big study of the national attitudes and lifestyles yeah. in relation to sex and that study found in the most recent one that people were having on average sex three times a month in mm. long-term relationships or is that just generally people were having it I think it was generally. Generally, yes. Yeah. So this is not just in long-term relationships, although a lot of people were yeah. in long-term relationships. I mean, so. they're surveying what, depending on what question they're asking, I think it's between forty and 60,000 people they're, they're yeah. surveying and they're like hour-long interviews. It's like... It's a it's, lot of people. It's, it's yeah. basically our... When the new NatSAP comes out, it's so exciting. Yeah. Because it's just so much data. So much and data. And the last one was really, really useful, like the best one. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so they're putting everyone together, like the people who are single and in different kinds of relationships, mm. and that's what they're getting is three times a month. Yeah, um, which is a useful idea on the face of it to, to yeah. find out that, you know, that, that this is like average but really how useful is that and they say also it's gone down so it was yeah. five in 1990 and it's gone down mm. every time they've done the survey it's gone down so now it's three and they also say that um, most people are doing it between one and seven times a month so yeah. like when they look at the spectrum it's between one and seven is the is like 50 percent of people fall into that bracket i think they're also saying that people are taking part in lots of different kinds of sex now compared with previous yeah so having too. more different kinds but they're having it less often. Yeah. And what? And one thing we were saying, well, well, you know, there's just, I guess there's so many problems with a norm like that. Yeah. Because whilst you could say, you know, for the people who are thinking it's three times a week, which is something, something you sometimes hear in sex advice, yeah. this is really helpful to know, no, it's three times a month. Yeah. But still, any norm you know gives us something to feel like we should fit it's like i remember when i used to teach about women's magazines like Mm. right back in the day when i was first teaching gender Mm. and like you know one thing we were teaching back then you know thinking about it back then was wouldn't it be great if like the women and women's magazines were size 16 Mm. you know like all the women had to be size 16 because that's the national average size at the time and um and then a student was just like hang on a minute no that'd be really bad yeah you know it would just be just as bad if everyone had to be size 16 as it is if everyone has to be size 8 or whatever yeah and it was like a real moment for me of like yeah any norm is a bad norm yeah any ideal is a bad ideal and it reminds me of the quote in uh, that thing in Annie Hall you know when they're having uh, therapy yeah Annie, Woody Allen's Annie Hall yes where they're having therapy interesting facts uh, that was not a split screen that was a split set whoa so uh, Diane Keaton's Annie Hall is getting therapy in one room it's like a white room she's yeah, sitting yeah I remember Woody Allen's in like a kind of a more wooden kind of wood panel room and he's lying down yes and you th- you assume that's a split screen but it's not they're they actually were there oh my gosh yeah so um the, the therapist says to Woody Allen how often do you have sex and he says hardly ever I'd say three times a week and the therapist <laughs> asks the same question to Diane Hall and she says constantly I'd yeah. say like three times a week yeah 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 so people uh, it's not useful because people have a different idea about what it is that they how sexual they want their relationship to be right yeah so yeah. some people want it to be 
uh, more sexual, some less sexual, and we want it's more youthful. We think to think about a spectrum. Definitely, which is what the enduring love study found, yeah. which was the Open University study that I did a book based on called The Secrets of Enduring Love, and they looked at people in long-term relationships in a qualitative way. Mm. Most you know, they did do a survey, but also like these long interviews, mm. and they found that people in long-term relationships were having anything from no sex at all mm. through to actually some people their their sex life had, had increased over mm. time although more it had kind of decreased mm-hmm. and like the, you could be in a very happy relationship and mm. you could be pretty satisfied with your life at any of those places on the spectrum yeah. it didn't like correlate so yeah. you could be unhappy as well but you could you know that it was certainly mm. there were many people who were in the so-called a sexless relationship mm. who were perfectly happy yeah. with that situation yeah um, so Side it's possible here. like often if people say sexless relationship but also people say loveless marriage don't they yeah and when they mean when they say loveless marriage often that's like a synonym for sexless marriage isn't it yeah that's right interesting yeah because sex and love get conflated which yeah. they really shouldn't do well yeah. we need to be decoupling that don't we we do big Time. Sex and romance relationships. Yeah, exactly. Which again is something that's great that's come out of the ace relation, uh, the ace um, or asexual communities mm-hmm. is that there's understanding of like asexual and aromantic. Yeah. That we have these two separate kind of things, and you could be sexual but aromantic, or you could be romantic but asexual. Yeah. You could be asexual and aromantic, or you could be sexual and romantic. Yeah. And I think that's a really good decoupling of the two. It's really, really important. Yeah. And also there are spectrums within asexuality yes. as well, right? So like the grey A kind of areas yeah. where you might be somewhat asexual or somewhat mm. aromantic and or, or some of the time, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and demi is another idea, mm. you know, of like it could be somewhat or it could be that you're sexual but only in very specific kinds yeah. of contexts or relationships yeah. and romantic but only in certain contexts or relationships. Yeah. So I think thinking about these in terms of a spectrum, which we always uh, ask everyone to do, but it's, yeah. it's, well, it's that's because it's all, it's usually the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, but it just is. Yeah. Um, so if we, rather than thinking about what the average is and any point along that spectrum, yeah. so as soon as you define a point, as you're saying with the size 16 uh, mm. thing, as soon as you define a point, you create a new normal. Mm-hmm. And actually the normal, the idea of normal, which we should have in inverted commas, is just yeah. silly. Yes. Because also um, it's much better and more, and we say in our book, uh, more valuable more useful to us if we uh just see ourselves as constantly being along a spectrum yeah no matter how much we want to have sex exactly that that spectrum can change not only from year to year and from decade to decade but also from week to week Mm. i mean even the horniest people in the world who want to have sex you know every day come on yeah there are some times when you're not always going to be feeling it exactly it it fluctuates over the day exactly and over an hour Yeah. yeah yeah friend of mine it really uh, finds it fluctuates through the seasons mm-hmm. I think yeah. a lot of people probably possibly find that that's right and um, people, trans guys for example if they take testosterone, mm. testosterone in injection form often find that it fluctuates over the time between they've had an injection an injection and the next injection oh because they're over a period of time mm-hmm. oh, yeah, yeah 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 I've not thought about that yeah before. yeah right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so there's lots of different reasons certainly yeah people who have periods it usually fluctuates over a monthly cycle yeah. in relation to that period but it might not you know yeah so. well interestingly that's different for different people with periods yes. as well at different times and it's diff- actually different for different people who get the testosterone injection as well yeah like for some of them that works that way but not for everybody yeah 
Yeah. There's that kind of uh, evolutionary psych, psych, evo psych idea that uh, you know that, that some people have said that um, women who have periods get more horny just before they ovulate. Yeah. Which is nonsense because some women get really really horny during their periods. Absolutely. Or their least times. Exactly. Because sex is biopsychosocial. It would be biopsychosocial, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah. Which is also a thing we say a lot. <laughs> it's on a spectrum and it's biopsychosocial. And that's because. And you can't step outside of culture. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Things. Different things work for different people at different times. What I need to do is create as a bingo card. Yeah. Our listeners, you can listen to our podcast. We'll make you a bingo card. Can the funds be in the centre? Like, is that wild card? No, it's fine. <laughs> no, because no one's ever going to win it. Bingo, yeah. Because we're never going to do the funds impression in a published podcast because people aren't asking. <laughs> so, right, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, but I was thinking, like, let's finish off with some real suggestions yeah. of, I mean obviously people can go and read our book mm-hmm. Enjoy Sex lot. how well and if you want to yeah <laughs> Icon Books please review it <laughs> please review it on Goodreads or Amazon um, but so so you can go look there but I think it'd be good to summarise like what are some really good suggestions because again when we're working with people around this and when we're tackling it ourselves it's like well so how do we go about this kind of letting go of this idea of normal of how much we should be having sex how do we how do we stop actually feeling bad yeah when you know it's been a month it's been a year since mm. we last had sex mm. and we start to think you know we ought to somehow we should it, we, it's all these shoulds and oughts isn't mm. it that we're really tackling here I mean it's really difficult I mean the first thing is that I think it's uh, speaking from personal experience mm. it's it would be easier if you if it was both a thing that you at least recognized and were like willing to lean into yeah and at least be able to talk about it i mean it can be really difficult if one per, per, person's really just shut off to the whole thing and doesn't even really want to talk about it yeah like um, that's hard yeah. so um that's i mean the first thing is to acknowledge I think that we're all on a spectrum and to try to take some pressure off ourselves yeah. and try to be gentle towards ourselves and each other and to and to just to notice that okay there is a discrepancy at the moment yeah there is that one person does want to have sex more than the other or, or it might actually be that both people don't yeah. really want to but that, that they still feel bad about it like they ought to be yeah. so you know it might be that when you have that conversation you realise you're both pretty comfortable with the way things are you just you're just feeling bad that you're not making meeting up that cultural standard yeah um, but yeah I'm sure the opposite is true there as well but um, but mm. uh, li- but that you're both kind of leaning into it and both yeah. recognising it is like a really good first step and yeah hopefully this that is the thing start to take some of the pressure yeah. off some of the other stuff as well I mean I think this question we ask you know in our books and zines what is sex is a helpful one yeah because one of the times for me it was like actually starting to reframe what counts as sex mm. was a helpful moment of like you know actually I was having quite a lot of erotic moments mm. with this particular person mm. they just weren't like what we're classically defining mm-hmm. you know in a very limited way as like say penis and vagina sex yeah. um, and so you know, I was kind of got to thinking, well, these sort of quite micro moments of mm. a sort of erotic vibe between us, mm. if you count that as sex, yeah. then, we're, you know, it's like we could be, you could say we we're having sex anything from not at all to like 10 times a day. Yeah, exactly. And so starting to think of some of the physical intimacies we have or some of the kind of nice little moments we have, uh, you know, kind of in terms of like power or role, role play type yeah. stuff as 
themselves being a legitimate sex. And looking at how we communicate and looking at sexual communication as being sex in and of itself. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, just um, asking, you know, a simple thing like from asking what underwear somebody's wearing that day or sending a selfie of what you're yeah. planning on wearing later or just a thought about that you mm-hmm. share with a partner. Yeah, or watching something on TV and both going like, oh, or, you know, that person's really hot. You know, yeah, it's or like, watching porn or yeah. see, seeing a hot image somewhere or just seeing somebody, that, or, you know, sharing a fantasy about somebody you've seen in person. Yeah. That can all be sex. I think the thing about um, penetrative sex is mm. that it's such a... So many things need to be in place in order for that to... to, to work for people and mm-hmm. even when all of the things are in place it doesn't work for many many people anyway absolutely so yeah. even if so so if we're talking about penis and vagina sex mm-hmm. which is what the world says counts as sex mm-hmm. penises have to be hard enough yes and if you're using condoms they even have to be hard enough to use condoms yeah they're hard to put on mm-hmm. uh, sorry difficult to put on yeah not hard penises <laughs> Uh, and so the choreography of that has to be right and then you know the the uh, vulva needs to be engorged and mm-hmm. you know the vagina moist enough and then the choreography around all of that yeah. means that you have to be in the right both have to be in the right headspace you both have to be relaxed you both have to be wanting that particular kind of sex yeah you both have to be letting go of some of the other um, stuff that might be going on around you both have to stop Previous worrying about whether the penis is hard enough and whether the vulva is moist. You know, it's like, you, am I going to last long enough? Yeah. And am I going to, uh, you know, if I do this, are they going to come too quickly? Or you know, am yeah. I getting enough clitoral stimulation? Like, there is a lot going on there, so it's not a surprise to me. There's drilling here. And there. <laughs> drilling just happened. At the point are where we're talking about me? penis and vagina. Sex. Are you kidding me? That this is happening? This here? is where we need the studio. Yeah. No it's always a paradox you know yeah. that actually all those pressures make it harder yeah. more difficult to have that kind of sex yeah um, yeah so really when we have this kind of if you if you think about all the choreography that needs to happen in order for yeah. that one particular kind of sex to happen which, which we are told it's written it's in the rock yeah the words through the rock all the way through the just rock just realise our international listeners might not even know what rock is oh it's a stick of rock you get this at a British seaside town it's hard candy isn't it's it it's hard candy yeah and it's a stick of it and it has the words you know what like I love Brighton or something all the way through it or Blackpool Skegness yeah (laughs) Um, yeah it's a weird British thing Um, but the idea is that you've got you know so you bite off a a chunk of this rock and you've still got the words because the words go all the way through the stick of rock it's probably a British and Northern Irish thing as well it's ah, probably a UK-ish thing. Is it a UK-ish thing? Yeah, I would say. Right, okay. For our Northern Ireland listeners. Sorry, Northern Ireland, yeah. It's no wonder that when we look at the choreography of it, that people if that people are having that less. Yes. But think about the whole world and lots of different sexual activities that you could do, even physical activities with another person. Yeah. Like a snug, a snuggle, stroking somebody's anywhere. Yeah. Dry humping. Yeah. They don't need any of that choreography. And often it is the choreography of that, the that all of those things needing to be in place are the things that make it really difficult for people to do. Exactly, and people feel really pressured about it. Yeah. Exactly. So, And people will be 
you know kind of put off because they're like well if I get into that what if you know what if I'm too tense yeah what if I don't get aroused what if I don't get erect what if I can't have an orgasm it's just so much pressure that it's easier to just not whereas if you're like okay we can do any and all of these you know we could just have a bit of sexy talk yeah you know we could just you know go and look at erotica you know there's just so many different things you could be doing and I think that's another thing that kind of the, the which again we talk about in our book is that if we as well as thinking about what is sex we think about why do people have sex yeah. mm-hmm. and what it is people want from sex then actually first of all if you think about dear listener all the different reasons why people have sex mm-hmm. right just think about them there are a lot but yeah. take a minute to think about those yeah and then think well we want sex to do an awful lot for us like Definitely. we have so much pressure on sex and one of those things that we ask sex to do for us often is that it makes us feel desired yeah because the other person's like getting aroused yes and stuff and so if we're kind of expecting the other person's arousal to make us feel desired yeah that's putting a lot of pressure on their arousal yeah so it's like they kind of pick up on that and think well i've got to get an erection or i've got to get wet or hard or whatever in order to prove to this person that they're desirable again the paradox is that the more they feel that pressure the less likely that is to happen and the less they're going to be enjoying sex because you know it's suddenly become this really pressured kind of place Mm. um and we talk about um in our book we talk about the pie chart don't we we talk about how sometimes we might be wanting to do something for another more for another person than Mm. it is for us but if we're regularly doing that then so if we're regularly just kind of like uh Mm. going through the motions with a person in order to kind of keep them happy with you know doing a thing doing a a sex thing that we might not necessarily Mm. really but we know our partner likes it there is an element to which where there is we want to do that so little and the other yeah it's gonna actually if we keep doing that then it might start having an effect on well that's right forcing ourselves to do something we don't like in any area of life generally means we'll we'll less and less want to do that thing yeah so it's really important to sort of tune into when we do want to do the thing and try and do it more under those circumstances yeah plus also again like that's the whole idea that sex can be different things means that perhaps we can offer something that we would like to do because you know again sex means different things to different people so it's not always that we're going into sex because we want an orgasm yeah for example it's like we can really enjoy doing something to another person even if it doesn't necessarily arouse us or get us orgasmic because it's just really you know wonderful or hot to be doing that to this other person and And if you go back mm. to the list that you made that we asked you to make just now about what all the different reasons people have sex yeah you'll probably find looking at the, that, that list that um you can achieve all of those things without having sex yeah so um by thinking about uh you know maybe you can achieve some of those things through uh playing mini golf or something yeah. you know or, <laughs> or, <laughs> Or like going out for the, you know, thinking about the desirable one, like, you know, what if you arrange to go out for the evening and put on some really dapper clothes, you know, like, and then you you take, you know, pictures of each other before you go and you're like, oh my God, you look amazing, you know. Sitting opposite somebody at a a restaurant, you know, like just going out for pizza and sitting opposite that person. Yeah. Other foodstuffs are available. (laughs) Look at that other person and see everybody else and maybe have the idea that, you know, you're both kind of on show a little bit, you know, make you feel super desirable sing together you know that kind of thing so it's really about opening that up and thinking can you get these needs met in other ways that take the pressure off it having to be sex or a particular kind of sex Mm. that gives those needs 
Yeah. Um, I think that would also help with the coming back to the stuff about Esther Perel that Esther mm. Perel was saying that the useful stuff in her book Making Captivity is that um, can we find a way to be to have to be able to step back and have a little bit of distance from the other person that if we're yeah. doing absolutely everything together co-parenting mm. being best friend being carers to each other and being each other's counsellor yeah. when you're doing all of those things it's really hard also to be there hot lover yeah I can't believe I just said that uh, hot but, lover uh, oh, <laughs> the Nuno Rob podcast hot lover um, but can you like uh, other ways that to step yeah. out of that and to have that so that's one that's one yeah that's one answer for monogamous folks right is that actually you need a bit more of a spacious relationship and a bit more separateness because people often have that experience like if they spend a bit less time with a partner like you know it's absence make the heart grow fonder maybe if the partner goes away for a couple of weeks then it's a bit more sexy when they get back or maybe like you you know you go and watch them give a talk at work or something and suddenly you see this whole different side of them that they share with other people but you don't usually see and suddenly that's hot like that's one way so you need to think about sex in the context of the whole relationship mm-hmm. and whether you're doing the relationship in such a way that keeps sex as a possibility. Yeah. Or if you're not, if you decide, like, no, actually being besties is is mm-hmm. worth losing sex, mm-hmm. fine, you know, yeah. but know that that's kind of, that is what you're doing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, just the thing is you can't, in a way you can't have it all in this, in this respect. Definitely. And I think there's uh, the thing there about not having this kind of hierarchy of some romantic relationships being more, you know, counting more than others. Yeah. Plenty of romantic relationships don't have any sex. Yeah. Maybe it's like cuddling or watching TV together. And those things can be amazing. That can be really amazing. Exactly. Um, And it doesn't mean you have to end the relationship just because it's not a sexual relationship anymore. There's other way, you know. So then it's about thinking again: what are the rules in the relationship? Mm -hmm. um, And thinking about various non-monogamous or mm-hmm. monogamous possibilities if there is one or both of you or more than one person in the relationship who does have sexual needs that aren't getting met mm-hmm. there's the whole raft of solo sex possibilities yeah. and then there's the whole raft of you know um, sex work other partners fuck buddies casual sex mm-hmm. you know going and reading erotica online having mm-hmm. cyber sex there's just so many different ways in which a person can get their sexual needs met other than with that monogamous partnership and even sometimes just even having that acknowledgement that not all of your sexual needs can be met by that person even that just noticing that even that acknowledgement can really open things up can't it yeah even just saying uh, the acknowledgement that we can just go and have a wank yeah if we want to if we have you know enough space in our yeah and have an agreement oh yeah how's that going to work you know it's like here's I'm going to put like do not disturb on the door or like you know how would it how would that work for us in this particular context and the same with the the opening it up discussion you know it's not about saying there's the right way of doing this it's more like let's figure out what way works for you in your particular context but it is okay it really is okay to do those things in different ways I think that's like a good summary of of our advice for people isn't it it's Mm. that um, uh, fluctuations and discrepancies in sexual desire is actually really common it's the most common much more common than not having it I mean like like, there's got to be nobody there's got to be nobody who has you know they're in a monogamous relationship and the level of sex they have has stayed the same since day one they have the exact same kind of sex they enjoy it the same amount you know it's like there's no way there's no way 
Yeah. Um, so it's okay. Uh, it's actually expected. Mm. Um, the problem is, as ever, our own sex and relationships education. Yeah. And all the messages we receive. We've been told lies that actually make this more likely to happen. Yeah. So, like, you know, if we were just like whatever we're just going into relationships we know we're going to be somewhere on the spectrum different different times yeah. you know we wouldn't be putting pressure on it it'd be fine but because we've got all this lousy sex ed and a lousy sex mm-hmm. advice and lousy relationship and ed and advice as well yeah. we're suddenly putting all of this pressure which means that the very thing that that you know the books are saying you must have more sex and by saying that they mean we're going to have less yeah yeah it's the paradox yeah so we hope that's helpful yeah Um, that's our take on it we've that's our hot take our hot take of our hot lovers (laughs) (laughs) oh oh god oh I don't think we're ever going to come back from that that was terrible Um, bad moment (laughs) it was you who said it though I just repeated it like I know you're the one to blame let's just get this clear (laughs) so um, if you enjoyed that uh, we think you'd really enjoy our book enjoy sex how when and if you want to we've got a huge amount about this stuff there's a lot in there because it's like one of the big questions yeah Um, also you might find our zines helpful available at our website megjohnandjustin.com forward slash publications and these are aimed at everyone I mean I guess we focused a lot on people in long term relationships Mm. today particularly monogamous relationships but we should say that the book and the zines are also equally applicable to anyone who's single or polyamorous or asexual or we've tried to make it as relevant to the whole raft of ways of doing sex and relationships I mean that's yeah Mm -hmm. That's, that's, uh, that's how we do it yeah, what's what's that's our mo. Yeah, um, and if you uh, like this episode, and just uh, you can subscribe in your podcast uh, thing thing, your app on your phone. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try and make sure that we're that we're available through all um, podcast apps. So apparently, there's one that we're not available through, but I'm going to add us to that. So hopefully, by the time you hear this, you'll be able to add us through your, all of your uh, podcast apps. Uh, you can tweet us your questions or your comments at Meg John Justin. You can go to our Facebook page, uh, Meg John Justin. And uh, that's it, isn't it? That's it for now. So until next time, bye. Bye.